This is the Bob Long Sports Podcast. Google me. That's why I don't read the newspaper. You can put it on the board. You cannot be serious. Are you kidding me? What a sensational goal for Gianni Henri. Five Expect anything different? And a good Friday morning to all. Welcome to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show Weekly right here on Bob Long Sports. And it's Black Friday, a big day certainly for shoppers throughout the holiday season. But more importantly, and for those of you certainly listening in here this morning, listening to the podcast as we post it later, Black Friday is about as big as it gets in college football. It's sort of the beginning of the end It's that final weekend before championship season, which with the implementation of the top four and the college football playoff has just derived even greater importance. And certainly here in the 2015, as we turn into 2016 bowl season, that will be no different. We have a lot of pictures in conference play that still need to shape up. We have two undefeated teams Both ranked in the top four, one of which just crept into the top four. And we have a team that was solidly in, it appeared, maybe with a resume that that doesn't have exactly that strength of schedule in terms of the wins they've had. But their one loss was to the number one team in the country. They suffered a drop of two spots all the way down to six and need to make up ground against two Big Ten teams, one of which at least will fall off. And then a, a Big 12 team that just may not fall off, as well as Alabama and that same team that they lost to Clemson. Of course, I'm talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who stumbled their way to a 1916 win against Boston College last weekend. But perhaps looking forward a little bit, today, or I should say tomorrow, they will play Stanford. And that is a huge game for the Fighting Irish on the road and an opportunity at 7.30 tomorrow night to stamp their resume one last time since they are independent, since they do not have the benefit of putting themselves into a position where they would have a conference title associated with them, as we have seen just in one year, means a great deal at times to the selection committee headed by Jeff Long, a man that I've said before, unfortunately, I believe, has become a disgrace to my namesake. And me being Bob Long, I'm very disappointed in the way that the committee has handled this in the past few years. And this is only their second year at it. Last year, TCU, I thought, had a fantastic opportunity and had the best resume of the one-loss teams. And uh, frankly, what, what happened was they were number three in the country. They beat a Iowa State team 55-3 to on the road, and then they dropped three spots. And the argument we got was that the teams were all very close And simply not having a conference champion was the difference, which didn't explain why Baylor was able to jump them, even though they beat a Kansas State team by 11 that TCU had beaten by about 30 the year that that, earlier in that season. So 
what we found, and this is my message to fans of the Baylor Bears, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, even the Michigan State Spartans, although I, it does appear that they control their own destiny. What I would say to those fans is that it is not over, that worse has happened and more has changed in the final two weeks of a season, and it, it just happened 360-some days ago. But it's very important to take care of the business that's in front of them right now. And as we go through the standings, these are the college football playoff rankings as they stand. Number one, the Clemson Tigers at 11-0. They will face tomorrow South Carolina on the road, a team that while we think they have been really bad, and, and they have, I don't want to skew that point whatsoever, they did beat a team that now only has one loss and really is the difference between that other ACC team being right in the mix, and that was the North Carolina Tar Heels in the first weekend of the season. 17-13 to win for the Gamecocks. Now, that was back when Steve Spurrier was on the sideline, and that was back when there was some hope for Brandon Wilds in this uh, South Carolina Gamecock team. Can they reignite the magic in a traditional rivalry matchup? We shall find out. Alabama at number two. They will face Auburn on the road in the Iron Bowl. That's Saturday at 3.30. Oklahoma, they will head to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State in the annual Bedlam game, always the last weekend of the season. That's an 8 p.m. first kick, and we expect some sleet and freezing rain to come down in that game. Does that affect things? Baker Mayfield, maybe. We will see how that can affect this team. Again, this Oklahoma team was able to outlast TCU as Mayfield had suffered a concussion and was not in the game. It was almost a comeback for TCU. They went for the two and the win. And that's the difference right now with a lot of teams that look upward toward this Oklahoma team. That's the difference right now. Iowa at 11-0, they will face Nebraska on the road, a team that also destroyed championship dreams, or at least it so appeared. Michigan State has climbed their way back into the race after losing on the road an ugly one against Nebraska. So now this Iowa team, they are already in the Big Ten championship game. They need to win this one to keep themselves in the national picture. Michigan State will play Penn State, and that's at home at Spartan Stadium, 3.30 p.m. Saturday. They're 10-1. Notre Dame, who dropped two spots at Stanford, a 7.30 first kick. That's on, on November 28th, being tomorrow, and it's absolutely a necessary game for this Irish team. Baylor needs to win, too. They're number seven right now, 9-1. Jared Stidham is out for the entire year now. It's the second time they've gone through a quarterback here, and they have to play TCU on the road and Texas in the final game of the season during championship weekend, and that's since the Big 12 does not have a championship game. They will play all the way through that first weekend in December, which is championship weekend. Just a few more here. Ohio State at Michigan, the rivalry game. 10-1 and for the Ohio State Buckeyes, but really not... One particular win that jumps off the page at you. And so they will need that win against Michigan. They will need help in the form of Penn State beating Michigan State. And at that point, they would win the East. They would give themselves one quality win. And the second would have to come against an undefeated Iowa team in the Big Ten championship game if they wanted any shot at going to the playoff. Stanford, Stanford still has an opportunity, but a lot needs to happen around them. They play Notre Dame and they will play in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, that other opponent will not be all that strong. That will at least be a three-loss team. 
And it's actually guaranteed to be a three-loss team because the winner of UCLA versus USC, both at 8-3 and three on the year, will go to that final. And actually, USC 7-4 and four on the year, but 5-3, and three, their conference records equal. And by virtue of both teams having the hammer in head-to-head against Utah, Utah's out, and the winner of that game will go. Michigan, they'll need to beat Ohio State. Again, hope that Penn State can beat Michigan State. And finally, then, would need a lot of other help in the form of maybe a Clemson loss and an Alabama loss to Florida in the championship game. And perhaps, uh, like we said, a Notre Dame loss to Stanford could certainly help. So there are a lot of things that do need to happen for this Michigan team. But the way you look at it is losing to Michigan State on a game that you might almost consider a win. Certainly they won't consider it a win, the committee. But in terms of games that that, that's a quality team that you played and you outplayed them. Then Utah was your first loss of the season. It was the first time that Rudock was out there playing and that Harbaugh was out there coaching. It really was not a very impressive game. Utah's defense shone through. But I think this Michigan team, while it does need help, you do need to understand and appreciate the way they've gone about the year, the resume that they've built, and the fact that they are number 10 in the country right now with a loss that shouldn't be on the books. And just imagine, just imagine what this game would be this weekend. Michigan against Ohio State. They're hosting at Michigan Stadium at the Big House. And if they had beaten Michigan State, Michigan would have the through all the way to the East Championship and the Big Ten Championship game with just a win. It's quite unbelievable to think about considering everything that's gone into this year considering its first year for Jim Harbaugh, considering how bad we thought this team was after the first weekend of the season with that game against Utah. That's the top 10. Oklahoma State is 11, Florida 12, both with one loss. We'll talk about them a little bit and whether the world has to fall, and even if it does, can they get in? Florida State at 13, and then two other 10 and ones UNC and Navy. And we're going to play these games called Resume Wars. So we ex- invite you to call in. And we'll open up the lines right now, 215-622-7239. Again, 215-622-7239, your number to call in. Resume Wars. We'll give you two teams, a little bit about them, which team has a better chance to move their way into the top four and why. And we'll go through the big games this weekend. We will take your calls about your favorite teams or even your most despised teams, whatever you'd like to talk about. It's a blowout show here on College Football on Black Friday. Thanks for being with us. Again, that phone number, 215-622-7239. We'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, and welcome Kevin McClernand, our correspondent from Colorado. And don't let that discourage you. You can call in, and we encourage you to call in. We will have Kevin on, and uh, we'll get you on with both of us. Kevin is my co-host here today. So we'll come back on the other side. You're listening to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show, and we will be right back. Elmark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. 
From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, Elmark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. Elmark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at lmarksigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's lmarksigns.com, 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Elmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. lmarksigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to tell you about the good folks over at City Year Philadelphia. Every day, the dedicated young adults at City Year make an impact in high-need schools in Philadelphia and in 26 other cities across the country by serving students who need extra help to stay on track to graduate. If you are ages 17 to 24 and are interested in serving as a tutor, role model, or mentor, check out the inspiring stories at hashtag MakeBetterHappen. City Year is currently accepting applicants for the next school year. Soccer is the fastest growing sport in America. It's about time the most popular game in the world, the beautiful game of soccer, comes to Philly Airwaves. Boozella, the World Soccer Show, presented by the Iron Abbey, is a live interactive talk show dealing entirely with professional soccer. The show exists only to serve the love of the culture, pageantry, and tactical aspect of the beautiful game of soccer. Join Boozella every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group. Just search Bob Long Sports, and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U-S-T-R-E-A-M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports. Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. BobLongSports.com gives you not only the best radio broadcasts on the internet, but plenty of articles as well. Stay up to date on your Penn State football team. Stay up to date on college football, the MLB, the NFL, and every other major sport out there. Tune in to all the radio shows and be sure to check our website regularly to see what content we have up now. And when you hear that jingle... Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. You know you're in the right place. Welcome back to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show weekly right here on Bob Long Sports. It's Black Friday and a huge day in college football. We thank you all for joining us here for our preview show and some huge games coming up to start today. We'll go through the first one, Navy versus Houston. It's a 12 p.m. kickoff. Navy 9-1, Houston 10-1, and the winner of that will go to the AAC championship game and that's very important because you'll likely have that first non-power five team come out of that game or, or certainly out of that conference championship game. Temple and USF 
would be the other two teams that would come into that equation. Also, Iowa and Nebraska. We mentioned Nebraska and their heroics against Michigan State earlier in the year. They look to do the same against an undefeated Hawkeye team and a team ranked number four in the college football playoff rankings at this point. And then certainly Baylor and TCU. TCU trying to play spoiler. They have a talented and quality team. And Baylor at 9-1, needing a win and help. They will be without Jared Stidham, and that will be a huge uh, implication for them, although Art Bryles might beg to differ simply because this team has gone through quarterbacks very, very regularly, and that it just hasn't seemed to matter. But let's go right now to our correspondent out in Colorado. He's Kevin McClernand, and he's excited to be here with us bright and early in the morning. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me. Hey, happy to have you and glad you could be here. Now, college football, as we know, and we've been talking about it for the last 10, 15 minutes here, it's in full swing. And with the implementation of the college football playoff and with four teams now really in the hunt, and actually you could argue a lot more teams in the hunt, but four teams finally getting through to that college football playoff. Black Friday, a day that's always been big in college football and the surrounding weekend as a whole, that final weekend before championship weekend, I think has taken on even more significance because you have so many more games that matter and you have so many more tensions at stake. I mean, you haven't had necessarily fans of teams like, at this point, Stanford, even Notre Dame in some ways, and uh, a team like Michigan State, they would have a chance today if it was in the old BCS, but it just becomes ratcheted up, I believe, this intensity because of this new format. Yeah, and there's tons and tons of games, like you said, that I mean will affect the playoff, and we all expected that TCU-Baylor at the end of the year uh, as a big matchup. It's still an important matchup, but not as big as we thought it was going to be, especially with uh, backup quarterbacks in the game. Um, but I mean, I'm really excited to watch some of these games and, uh, still has a lot of implications on conference titles. Kevin, I would argue, you mentioned Baylor and TCU. I would argue that with a healthy quarterback, I still believe that Baylor is the best team in the big 12 this year. And that differs significantly from my opinion last year about this Baylor team. And I still understand that they go out and they pay, play Lamar and I understand that their non-conference schedule is not very great, and frankly, that their only good win is the one they had last week against Oklahoma State. I understand all of that, but the way they play and just what I see on the field, I know they also lost to Oklahoma. I think with a healthy quarterback and healthy players around them, I believe that Baylor would be the toughest team out of the Big 12 for these other conferences to beat in a four-team playoff-type format. And I think we're swapping positions from last year because I, I was on Baylor's side last year in the sure. discussion, and I think I'm on TCU side this year. If Lincoln was healthy, um, I mean, losing your number one wide receiver and your top quarterback, who yep. potentially were both Heisman candidates uh, if they kept playing together, uh, is a huge hit. And obviously, two losses for them, they have no chance to get in the playoff. But right. Um, it, it's still an important game just because of what those two teams have gone through over the last two years. Now, Kevin, let's take it away from the Big 12 a little bit because this is the one conference, including the American, frankly, which is a little odd 
that does not have a conference championship game. And, of course, that's by, by virtue of the number of teams that are in that conference. And simply, they have had issues last year, one true champion. And the fact that there wasn't a, quote, one true champion is was that real difference. Now here we are, 340, 50-some days later, and we're faced with the, the exact same situation. I find that to be very difficult for the Big 12 to overcome. It will be Bedlam tomorrow, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That will be played in freezing rain. Now, the winner of that game will go to 11-1. and one, But it's very interesting because if Oklahoma State were to win it and Baylor were to win out, you would have, again, Baylor tied, likely to a team that has a higher ranking than them. But having that head-to-head, I wonder how that will shake out. Yeah, you just had to laugh last year at all those commercials that were saying one true champion, and then they get to the tie between Baylor and TCU, and they they didn't get into the playoffs, basically, because they didn't have one true champion. Right. Um, maybe Obviously, that's not the only thing. Obviously, they're out of conference schedules a week, but um, I think the committee really thought about that a lot, that there wasn't really one true champion, which boosted Ohio State over both of those teams. Sure. Um, I, I think they're going to have to fix it some way, um, have a conference championship game. Um, I mean, obviously it's tough with only 10 teams, but um, if you want to get into the playoffs, um, schedule harder teams out of conference and make a conference championship game. Sure. And, hey, if you were ever University of Houston or the University of Cincinnati and you wanted to find your way into a Power 5 conference, just call up, call up BB and tell him, listen, you guys need a, you guys need a conference championship game. We need a bigger conference. Let's make it happen because Houston obviously is right there. You have all those Texas teams in the Big 12, and Cincinnati, while not necessarily right in that backyard, there's West Virginia that's right there, and they're built in many ways the same way. That that's kind of been my thought for a while now is that. If the Big 12 were to expand, and I'm not sure we may be to the end of expansion, at least at the frenetic pace that we knew it a few years ago, those would be the two programs that may, would make the most sense to me in terms of going to the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, like you said, West Virginia is right there, so Cincinnati is not too that, too far off of that, and Houston, not not a perfect fit, but I mean, in in Texas, obviously, with all those other teams, uh, perfect location, uh, I could see that easily. Yeah, I mean, it's not the perfect fit, you're right, but from where else are you drawing at the Pac-12? Yeah. They're not going to lose Colorado, even though that might be the best look for the Buffaloes, uh, and certainly for that conference, based on at least somewhat geographic. Houston's right there. Memphis isn't going. South Florida, I don't think, is the type of institution that they're talking about, and uh, certainly Temple, even though they've done well, is about halfway across the world compared to where a lot of these teams are. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the next step is. I don't think anyone really does, but I do believe that, and we may have the exact same situation where combination of lack of st- schedule strength, as you mentioned, but also that lack of a championship game and just a lot of noise in that one loss area, I think could once again bite the Big 12 and and maybe leave them on the on the outs, especially if Oklahoma State were to beat Oklahoma this weekend. Yeah, I think if Oklahoma wins out, uh, I think they're going to get in, obviously. So, it, I mean, that would be huge for the conference. Um, but I, I can't really see any other team maybe jumping in. 
so I think the Big 12 is really uh, banking on Oklahoma winning out. And that's the question. You say if Oklahoma wins out, they're absolutely in. Why is that the case? And, and maybe you were just saying that because they're ranked number three in the existing polls, although we saw what happened when TCU was ranked in that exact same spot last year. What about them and their resume makes them a lock to you? I, I, I don't necessarily think they're a top team. I was more pointing towards the, the rankings. Um, but I think it, it's dumb that the committee looks at uh, November wins more importantly uh, than earlier wins or losses. I mean, Oklahoma lost to Texas. Texas isn't even going to a bowl game. Yep. You have to take that into account. I understand it's a big rivalry game. Texas, uh, I mean, there was tons of uh, talk about uh, Strong being fired and leaving Texas uh, before that game. But, I mean, you have to take into account. I mean, last year they had the same situation where Baylor had the bad loss but the good win against TCU, mm-hmm. and we saw what they did, and they ranked Baylor ahead of TCU at the end of the season. So I, I think just November wins in the committee's mind go – a little too far, and they need to look at the entire schedule and and evaluate. I mean, the bad losses early in the year should count just as much as the bad losses at the end of the year. And you have to remember as well, and they'll never think about it this way, but but I do. And combined, I'll tell you why, that this is the reason that I have actually Notre Dame at number four versus necessarily Oklahoma and Michigan State. I mean, I almost count that Tennessee game as a loss. And I know that's not the way to look at it. And I'm not saying that they lost the game, but I don't look at the at Tennessee and say, man, that is a difference maker for Oklahoma's resume. Because that's the game that was just given to them. They were thoroughly outplayed. And if you watch that game, I just think you don't look back at that game and say, this Oklahoma team is a top four team. I think they got away with the loss there. Certainly the Texas loss is not very good. I get it, but then yes, you mentioned it. They backloaded their schedule. They, being the Big 12 Conference, backloaded Oklahoma's schedule and now gives them opportunities to play these, and they are good teams, but teams without their starting quarterbacks in the final couple weeks of the season, and then an Oklahoma State team that, again, is, is a good team. There's no doubt about it, but I don't think is necessarily the number four that they were rated going into or number six that they were rated going into this past loss of theirs. And so now all of a sudden you're going to lop on three strong wins on the end of the year, possibly without Baker Mayfield. And I just don't know what's the best representative sample of what Oklahoma really is. And you look at that win at Tennessee and you say it's over an SEC team. Well, an SEC team like Arkansas did the same thing. They went into Tennessee and won that game. And, yes, Arkansas has been much better. I mean, they've won, what, four to five games. But in the beginning of the year, they lost to Texas Tech right. at home. Um, and, I mean, they lost to Toledo at home also. So yep. it's not the same Arkansas team that you're seeing now that they uh, that went into Tennessee at the beginning of the year. By the way, though, Kevin, you mentioned this Tennessee team. Personally, I am a huge Butch Jones fan. I, I think – that any talk about his departure is ridiculous. And I do believe that those concerns have allayed slightly simply because of how well they've played. But think about this. They are 7-4 and four right now, and on Saturday at 4 p.m. they will take the field against a hapless Vanderbilt team at 4-7. and seven. They will likely go 8-4. and four. Looking back on their schedule, that game against Oklahoma 
And then a game against Florida where they led for the majority of that game, and Florida, someone, they somehow pulled it out. That's a 10-2 and two Tennessee team right now. And going to the SEC championship game, if they could have closed either of those two games, I think that speaks. I know people will say, well, you need to be able to finish the games, and I get that. But I think that speaks to the job that Butch Jones has done simply because of how irrelevant this Tennessee program has been over the last how many ever years? I mean, eight years or so since Philip Fulmer hung him up. Yeah, I mean, and I mean that this is a team that won the national championship uh, at the end of the 1990s, uh, right? And that was without without Peyton Manning. That was after Peyton Manning left. T. Martin won the national championship, so they were they were a very good program in the SEC and completely dropped off, like you said, over the last couple of years. Um, so when people think of Tennessee now, they don't think of uh, a very good team in football. Um, and they have really changed that. Even fighting with Oklahoma and Florida in those games, uh, even though they blew the big leads, uh, it, it still has put them back on the map. Bob Long Sports Radio Show. Bob Long and Kevin McLernan calling in from Colorado right now. We're talking college football. And that number to call in to talk with us, 215-622-7239. Again, Kevin is on here as the co-host of the show. We still do take calls and welcome calls and and can't wait to hear from you folks that have thoughts on all the college football landscape as it exists right now. So it's a lot on Oklahoma, and I think it's pretty good thoughts. Alabama, Kevin, 10 losses, or 10 wins, I should say, one loss. They will play at Auburn, and that's a 6 and 5 team. Saturday, 3.30 kick, their loss at Ole Miss, wins against LSU, Wisconsin, Georgia, A&M, and what I'll say about those wins, Kevin, is most of them looked better when they were won. Maybe with the – actually, I wouldn't say with the exception of anyone. Every single one of those wins looked a lot better at the time that those teams were beaten. Is this team deserving of their number two ranking at this point? I don't think so. Um, I'd probably still have them in the top four, probably not number two. Um, but you look at that win at LSU, and yes, it looked very impressive. Home against LSU, you, you shut down Leonard Fournette. But we, we've seen the last two teams also shut down Leonard Fournette. And, uh, I mean, that's a completely different topic. But uh, I think the win at Mississippi State was very impressive, 31-6. to mm-hmm. yeah. um, But, I mean, you look at wins at Texas A&M, that was a huge win. That doesn't look as good now. Georgia, I think that was a good win. Uh, people forget that Nick Chubb was healthy uh, when that game was played. Right. But uh, I don't think they're worthy of the number two. And also, to begin the season, everybody thought that Wisconsin win uh, yes. was going to be a big win. Uh, Wisconsin was uh, the favorite uh, to win the Big Ten West. So I wouldn't say number two, but I would still probably have them at three or four. And now that I'm putting you on the spot, is there anyone that you would think should slide into that number two spot? Hmm. Maybe there's not a number two this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll just have a tie at three, and then it'll skip two. Um, I I don't like. I would probably put Notre Dame right now. I, I mean, wow. Okay. That was a close loss to the number one team at the number one team. Um, and, I mean, they looked like the better team in the fourth, uh, basically the whole entire second half, in my sure. opinion. Yep. And, and they, given a couple more minutes in that game, they may have won it. Yep. Okay. Notre Dame, number two. Uh, I'll go through my 
top four in a few minutes. But so that's that's Alabama. Certainly now Clemson. And the question I have for you, Kevin, is uh, I guess well, let's say it. Let's do it two ways. If they were to lose to South Carolina on the road and then go win the ACC championship against a one-loss North Carolina, are they still in the top four? I think it depends on how Notre Dame does uh, to finish off their season. Uh, If Notre Dame finishes off um, beating Stanford and winning those games, I think they're still in the top four. So does so does Clemson to, then nudge Notre Dame out? Let's say Notre Dame creeps into the back of the top four and Clemson loses on the road at South Carolina. Does that nudge Notre Dame at that point out? It's it's kind of the same debate of the Bale and TCU last year, right? Except it's a later loss for Clemson this year. Um, I would still put Clemson because they have the head-to-head. Um, I think that's very important. Um, even though it was at home, like I just said, and... Uh, it's still a close game. I, I think the head-to-head is important, and that's why you play those games. So I put Clemson over Notre Dame still. Wow. I'm not even sure what my answer would be to that, but that is just an unbelievable situation to start to fathom. Clemson losing to yeah. South Carolina and then beating North Carolina in the ACC championship game. Let's Let's flip it around, Kevin. North Carolina right now is ranked number 14 in the country, 10-1 and one overall. They lost to South Carolina. That's the first game of the season. And to think if they somehow had not lost that game, how this would have been so different. A nice win at Pittsburgh. That's the best team besides North Carolina in that division of the ACC. And then they finish with at NC State in the regular season and then versus Clemson, certainly as both divisions are locked up in the ACC. If UNC wins that game against Clemson, what is their ceiling? Uh, I think there's a potential for them to get in, into the playoff. And I think the, the committee is going to look at how they've dominated teams. I mean, Duke Duke has been a pretty good team in the ACC yep. this year. Uh, they lost that yeah, game thir- to Miami. 30- Who's that now? Oh, Duke did. Duke lost to Miami in that in the Crazy. kickoff return. Yes. And uh, But, I mean, they beat Duke 66-31. to 31. Right. And they went on to beat Miami 59-21. And then, of course... They went to overtime with Virginia Tech, but, I mean, that was at Virginia Tech, Frank Beamer's last game. You knew Virginia Tech was going to be ready to play. Um, so I was impressed they still won that game. Um, but if, if they beat NC State handily and, and can beat Clemson, I think there's a potential to be, for them to get in the top four. Kevin, I think that's probably the same argument you could make now for Florida out of the SEC East. And I'll open up the door to you to make that argument if you'd like. Ranked 12th in the country right now, a loss to LSU. They beat Ole Miss badly. That's their biggest, I guess, uh, calling card for them this year. But close games all around, including that one I mentioned against Tennessee. Florida Atlantic, probably the most, uh, I would say, the most enlightening or de-enlightening, whatever you'd like to call it, the most disturbing, the overtime win against Florida Atlantic. But here they are at 10-1, and the SEC East champs, and an opportunity to play, let's say, Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I, I really don't know what to think of Florida uh, because they beat Vanderbilt 9-7. That was an ugly, ugly game to watch. Yes. Uh, just their offense can't get going. And I think that Florida Atlantic game wasn't 0-0 zero zero at halftime. Or it was very yep. low scoring at That's halftime right. also. And they and scored on a defensive turnover to start scoring, I believe. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I can't remember. But, I mean, just just the fact that their offense is struggling against those teams, I can't see them beating uh, the most likely Alabama who they'll play in the SEC championship game. But if they do, then I guess you have to consider them in the top four. They're a one-loss SEC champion. Yeah? Wow. Okay. So the teams they're jumping in the process are – Baylor, well, I guess you would jump Ohio State at that point, no problem. I would understand the Stanford and Michigan, but you're jumping maybe an undefeated Iowa. You're jumping a 10-1 Notre Dame, perhaps. That's, uh, that's quite the jump to move those all Yeah, those well, I mean, I think, I think it all depends on, of course, like Stanford and Notre Dame are playing each other. Iowa Michigan State are playing each other. So, yep. And I also think Michigan will beat uh, Ohio State this weekend. So, um that's going to be interesting where Michigan's also at um, for the committee. But there's a lot of the top teams still playing each other. So I'm not saying Florida will get in to the top four, but I like their chances if they can win the SEC um, and beat Alabama because that would be a very impressive win since the committee has them at number two. You're listening to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show weekly right here on BLS, and you can follow us on Twitter at Bob Long Sports. And right now, Kevin McLernan is joining us on the line. And on Black Friday, one of the biggest days of college football in the entire calendar year, we're excited to be here previewing all the games that start kicking off at 12 o'clock noon. Now, you mentioned this Michigan team. And I think that this Michigan team, Kevin, really does have a shot to get in to the top four. Now, things have to go right for them. I absolutely understand that. But... I believe that in order to jump Stanford, one, Stanford will need to win against Notre Dame because they'll need to jump Notre Dame as well. So you'll need that loss for Notre Dame. And then Stanford, even if they win the Pac-12 championship, the caliber of team that they will need to face, either UCLA or USC, will not be the same caliber of, let's say, an undefeated Iowa team at 11, now 12-0. and 0 going into that conference championship game. I think with a win there, Michigan will jump both Stanford and Notre Dame, so that puts them now at eight. By beating Ohio State, they'll jump them, so that eight goes to seven. Baylor, I believe that they will jump them in those rankings, even if Baylor wins all those games, simply because they are the conference champion. And and Baylor, in this case, although they would make an argument for themselves because they likely would be the de facto champion with the other thing that will need to happen here, which would be Oklahoma losing to Oklahoma State. You know, I think they'll find a way to jump Baylor. And at that point, Michigan State, Michigan State will have lost to Penn State if this has any merit whatsoever. So now all of a sudden you're up to four or even three for this Michigan team. And then maybe you're looking at Baylor and or Stanford sneaking into that final spot. But I think Michigan, they'll need a lot to happen. They do have an opportunity. And there are about 12 to 13 teams, Kevin, that I believe do have a chance still at this point to make the to make the college football playoff. Yeah, and, and you look at the two losses uh, in Michigan's column. Yep. And, I mean, the one should have an asterisk next to it. I understand uh, every play matters, but, man, does that law – does that – Blocked punt or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know if the block or the punt was blocked, but um, against Michigan State in a return at the buzzer, 
just really hurts them uh, really badly right now. They, they'd be in prime position for the playoffs if that never happened, I think. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. And, and that's what I was kind of saying before you came on. And that I almost don't count it as a loss. Certainly, I do count it as a loss. But it's an understanding when I look at this, a very solid and strong understanding that while that's something that matters, it's something that also needs to be taken into account. You mentioned the asterisk. I don't know what you want to put next to it, but that 9-2 and two is different than Stanford's 9-2. and two. I completely agree, and it, I think, is unbelievable in terms of what Jim Harbaugh has been able to do in his first year with this program and to put themselves right in the opportunity to win. I go right with you, Kevin. I pick Michigan tomorrow against Ohio State, and then it will be a waiting game as Michigan State and Penn State will kick off at 3.30, and the winner certainly of that game will uh, will have some spoils for themselves. Penn State, in their case, they will be able to play spoiler and have a very sort of strong way to end their season, some momentum going into the offseason. And on the Michigan State side, that that's the obvious one. They would win the East and go to play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. So two huge games in the Big Ten. And Michigan, they do need to knock on a lot of doors and count on a lot of things to happen. But I agree with you, Kevin. I think they find a way uh, or have a very good chance to find a way with Michigan State losing, uh, find their way into the, the college football playoff, which would really be incredible. And uh, ironically, I mean, watching the Penn State-Michigan uh, game last weekend, they were giving the scenarios on how each team would win uh, the Big Ten East, and all of those games are turning out the way they were supposed to, except uh, Penn State beating Michigan. And if that game went the other way, Penn State would be the Big East uh East, the, the Big Ten East champions. Um, all teams would have been uh, what six and two, and Penn State would have the tiebreaker. So why would uh, they have that? that been, why would they have that tiebreaker? Um, I I forget what they're talking about now because they would have beaten the only team that they would have lost to Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State and, would have lost to Michigan and Michigan State. So you would have had two two and one teams. Who would that have been? That would have been. Well, they would all have Michigan two losses State, to each other, except that's what they it lost is. in Northwestern. I got it. I got it. Here's yeah. what it is. So you have four teams, so it's three games each. Ohio State and Michigan would be one and two, again, assuming Penn State would have beaten Michigan. So since since it's a round robin, you go to record against one another, one and two and one and two for Ohio State and Michigan State, two and one and two and one for Penn State and Michigan State, and then at that point you re-engage the head-to-head head head argument, and like we're saying, it would have to have been Penn State winning this game. That's incredible, Kevin. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously you still have the games this weekend, but um, the, the scenario that we were talking about it was just one game away for Penn State, which they had no right being in that conversation last week. Right. That's wow. That really is unbelievable to think about. Um, wow. I'll have to chew on that for a few minutes, maybe in the break. But we do have about 15 minutes left here in the first hour. Number to call in, 215-622-7239. Wake up, folks. It's time for college football. Number to call in, 215-622-7239. Now, we've talked around them and about them for a lot of this first hour, Kevin, and I think in part, it's because of just how involved they are with a lot of these things and possibly that they were the most wronged team in the, in the most recent 
playoff rankings that came out on Tuesday night, and that's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at 10-1 and this year. Wins against Navy, Temple, Pittsburgh, even if you want to throw USC, Southern Cal, that is, into that discussion. And you have to throw Texas in there as well. And that's not just a dig at Oklahoma, but that is in addition to the loss to the best team in the country. That Texas win may be the most essential part of Notre Dame's resume, which is unbelievable to think about. 38-3, to the first weekend of the season, a hapless Texas team. And yet here we are quoting this game on November 27th as a key reason why this Notre Dame team could find their way into the college football playoff. Yeah, that's it's really unbelievable to think about. And I was really shocked when I saw Notre Dame fall down to six. Uh, I understand that uh, Michigan State's win against Ohio State was big, but I really don't think Ohio State's the team that uh, we all think they were. And uh, they've really struggled throughout the entire season. Um, but, yeah, seeing them at six uh, – Really, really shocked me. Yep, number six, and they'll play Stanford, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. You had them as their number, as your number two, I believe, right now. Yep, yep, number two, and then I have, uh, I'll probably put Alabama at three, and then Oklahoma at four. Iowa is out, and no Big Ten teams. Uh, No. Not yet. Would would anything change with a Big Ten championship win? Um, I, I would probably put Iowa in if they can go undefeated. I, I would find it hard to keep them out, um, being a big 10 champion undefeated with a couple of loss, teams with losses in front of them. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. So you have Notre Dame number two, like you mentioned, uh, I just, I'll tell you what, I'll go through my top four right now, and you may be surprised about it. My top four in order is Clemson, and I believe that, much like you said, they are the only team in this top four that can lose and still find their way into it. Now, if everybody loses, right, you could still find a way to get some of these teams in. And and when I say everyone, I mean Florida loses to Florida State and then beats Bama in the SEC championship game. I mean, Notre Dame losing to Stanford and then Stanford losing to an 8-3 and three team in the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, Michigan State somehow winning. Still, fi- I guess they wouldn't find a way to win, would they? But let's say Iowa loses to Nebraska and then beats the winner out of the, the Big Ten East and, and things like that. You know, Oklahoma lose, maybe loses to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State would probably find their way in. But at that point, you could find a way for some of these teams to still find their way back. But under reasonable scenarios, I believe Clemson's the only team that can lose and still make the playoff. They're at 11-0 and right now. Uh, number two, I have Iowa, Kevin. The Iowa okay. Hawkeyes, I think, are, are number two right now because I don't see any reason to hoist someone else above them. I understand they're 11-0, and and I understand wins over Pittsburgh – you know, Wisconsin, Northwestern, oh, by the way, a team that Stanford could not beat, and then what would have to be a win against Michigan State, but I know we're not ranking that right now. But those three teams, I mean, think about it. Those are key wins for Notre Dame against Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, we mentioned for, for Alabama, and, uh, and then Northwestern, the loss for Stanford. So those are solid teams right now. They've done what they've had to do. I think the Pitt game was a little closer than 
people probably would have wanted it to be in terms of a top four team. But I think Bama, I think Oklahoma, I certainly think Michigan State and Notre Dame have also played games a lot closer than they should have. And they don't have anywhere near perfect resumes. So if this was a different year, a different scenario, maybe even if LSU continued to play at their high level after losing badly to Alabama, maybe I would think a little differently about this because, Kevin, you know me well. I'm not the guy that's just going to stick a team up there because they're undefeated. I think we've probably had long and impassioned arguments in years prior about this. But this is different for me because Michigan State for a long time played teams close that they shouldn't have. Notre Dame almost lost to Boston College. I mean, this is an Iowa team that has not lost that game. And I know they didn't play Clemson. But if you're looking at Michigan State, I know they didn't play Nebraska, but they've played Nebraska equivalents on the road and have beaten them. So I put Iowa at number two at 11-0 and and let them lose and fall their way out. I have no problem with that. But right now, I think they earned it. Yeah, and today, I mean, people may talk about Nebraska because they beat Michigan State and uh, that's the reason this game's going to be close. But uh, Nebraska's sitting at five and six. They need this game to make a bowl. Yeah, they've been in virtually every game they've played in. I mean, they should never have lost that BYU game. Um, and that I think that was the first game of the year on the Hail Mary. Um, and they've just been in other games. And they may have gotten lucky against Michigan State, but um, they certainly got unlucky in a lot of other games. So, what's your prediction for that game? I think it's going to be. Uh, it's going to tell us a lot about Iowa. I think they do win the game, um, but I think it's I think it's going to be close. Okay, fair enough. I, I can take that. So number two, I have Iowa. Number three, I have Alabama. I just think their resume in terms of the one loss is probably the best, and they just straight up are the best team that I have seen with one loss. I test perspective. And number four, I have Notre Dame. Again, besides the Bama one loss, uh, this is a Notre Dame team that probably has the best loss in the country, period. And some okay wins. Like I said, Navy's a solid team. Temple is, is okay. At Pittsburgh isn't particularly easy. And, yes, the Texas is a difference maker for me against Oklahoma. And I think it's very important to, um, to keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, I think this is a, this is a team in Notre Dame that – has done enough in an Oklahoma team that hasn't impressed me nearly as much as they have impressed other people, simply put. And so right now I have Notre Dame at number four. Michigan State is at number five, and, and they all jump Oklahoma. So I think I think a lot less of the Sooners is of other people and, and certainly than other people do. But, Kev, right now we'll take a break and bring on Tony from South Jersey. Tony, you're on Bob Long Sports. How are you? Good, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Um, so I just want to say first, I think a big, the biggest game for the next couple of weeks, I think is going to be this Notre Dame Stanford game. I think that's kind of where, um, however that turns out where a lot of pieces are going to start falling into place. If, if Notre Dame wins, I think you're going to see them make it to the playoff. And that means two conference champions are going to get, uh, taken out of the playoff. And I think it's going to be, Obviously, the Pac-12, the Stanford's really their only shot left. And I think you're going to see the Big 12 kind of get uh, screwed over as well. With their, uh, they don't have a conference championship game still, right? They didn't fix that? That's right. Correct. Yep. Okay. So I think 
I think you'll see that happen too. If Notre Dame wins, now, now if Notre Dame loses. Oh, what's that? Go ahead. Yep. If they lose, I was gonna say if Notre Dame loses, then you're looking at Stanford probably still being on the outside of that, but now with you know they're gonna be a lot closer than before, and you'll see you know probably four conference champions. Then it's just which conference is getting left out. I think that's that game is gonna really start deciding a lot of things and you'll see everything starting to come into place. Um, Is there a way you see the Big Ten championship going? And how could that affect, you mentioned the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 to me, even though they do have games on that championship weekend, they're kind of just sitting ducks in a lot of ways. And they put what they have out there and they have to wait and see what happens in championship weekend. They can't really gain any momentum that way and everyone else gets the sh- to show themselves one last time to the committee and again even though Baylor for example is going to play Texas uh, on the 5th of December that's the only team that will play that last weekend of the season and the rest have to wait so I wonder Tony your thoughts all happened last year well yes that, you know? yeah I yeah. wonder what your thoughts are on if there's a chance the Big Ten race or what type of impact do you think uh, results one way or the other would have well, if there's like a doomsday scenario where, you know, Michigan State lose, you know, or Iowa loses this week and then wins the championship, it's different, I think. But assuming they both win their last conference game, I think the winner of that championship is going to be in, whether they're four or three, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, but. Penn, you know, if, the, if Penn State, you know, I know we're we're talking about that, which will never happen, but if they were to somehow win, well, if, they, if Michigan State loses, then it's the winner of Michigan Ohio State that goes, correct? Right. Correct. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's a lot. There's a lot of different scenarios there, but I think if the two favorites, Iowa and Michigan State, both win this week, then I think the winner of that game is going to go. Okay. And so what would your top four be if you, let's say maybe even today and then what you expect it to be? Today, I'd probably, I I guess I would drop Iowa down a bit and then move everyone else up a little bit. So you'd have like Michigan State four, Notre Dame five. Gotcha. And maybe Iowa be six there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And do you think that, because Kevin made this argument that he doesn't have them in the top four, but with a win for Iowa over Michigan State, that they could hoist themselves back in. Now, under your scenario, they would still need to jump uh, Notre Dame at number five. Could they do that? Uh, Notre Dame's only got Stanford left. Stanford left, that's right. No conference championship. That's tough because it's, you also have to think about, and I, it's a terrible the way to think this way, but you have to think about sometimes who's a better draw if it's that close, you know? <laughs> Notre Dame is, that's my other thing too with, with the committee. There's so many, I don't really like that they don't have like a formula or anything like that. I guess it's kind of hard to do it, but they're very like random. As you can see, like, I'm looking at the, rankings right now you have Oklahoma and Michigan State both jumped four spots and Notre Dame 
goes down two, even though they won. It's like a very like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. Right. And not like a whole season resume thing. So I could see them jumping Notre Dame. But at the same time, I feel like if they have a chance to put Notre Dame in, you know, you kind of start thinking it's Notre Dame. You put them in. Uh, and the formula is kind of what they wanted to get away from, though. I mean, th- that's what the DTS was, was the formula. And everybody knew exactly – well, nobody, I guess, really knew what the computers were doing. But um, I guess it, it, they don't really want to tell people what their way of thinking is. But Notre Dame doesn't have the conference championship, uh, which might really hurt them at the end. It could. But the thing is, with, with my thing was I just wanted – I don't really like this whole committee thing. I just wish – they kind of kept the whole BCS, but just added, they just let three and four get in. But they changed, they overhauled the whole thing, as opposed to, like, just changing one variable and seeing how that worked. You know, they just, they added four teams, but they have 12 people deciding it every week. <laughs> That's all it is, right? Right. Yep. Right. It's just 12 people get together and pick their rankings. Eat some popcorn and talk about football, yeah? Yeah. I mean, that. I was okay with, in a sense, the BCS rankings. I just didn't like how it was just, all right, one and two, they're the two best, and they're going to decide it. I think everyone just kind of wanted a couple more teams to get a shot because you always saw that third team, you know, always had a good chance at being two, but they always got left out. And, that's always and now, you're gonna have, now you're going to have number five and six always going to be playing. I mean, no matter what happens, yeah. there's going to be a team or two always left out. So right. somebody's not going to be happy. Yeah, I mean, I don't, we, I don't like how this stuff just switches like crazy. Like, if you look at last year, TCU didn't play, so they didn't win or lose, but they dropped three. They dropped completely out and not even close when they go to six. It's just it's very sporadic, I guess. It is. No, there's there's no doubt about it. And, guys, the the head of the selection committee, Jeff Long, comes on to Rusillo and Canal, which is a radio show on ESPN, every single week. And, and I try to get to the tube or the radio to listen to that every time I can. And he just comes off very defensive every single time that I hear him talk. And he can't really give any specific answers. And when they talk about specific teams, I know he doesn't want to give away too much. But what I have seen in the last two years, and I do mean this with all due respect, is hapless and random idea generation and selection. And that's not what you want out of a playoff selection committee that's deciding whether you think college football is a business or not. It's where billions of dollars are going to be allocated in switching hands. And these hapless decisions are made by people who they may or may not have good qualifications, but the results they produce are not enthralling. And they don't back them up. They just kind of, oh, but we pick. And they're like, oh, why? Well, you know, we just like the way they play. Right. Like, what? And I don't like how uh, it seems a lot lately that bad losses don't, like, do anything to you. You look at, I mean, where's Ole Miss now with Alabama? They're not, they're 18. Although, and, although with an Alabama loss and an Ole Miss win, it will be Ole Miss who goes to the SEC championship game and plays Florida, a game that I think knocks really? both Alabama and Florida out of the race. And the, way, the, re- the reason I say that is not just because Ole Miss would be 8-3, and three, but even if Florida were to go beat them, 
Florida's already lost to Ole Miss and lost badly. So I don't think it augments the resume all that much. And they would already need to make a, a huge jump forward. Alabama would have two losses without even an SEC West division title. I think that knocks the SEC out altogether if Alabama loses to Auburn. Wow. Florida has Florida lost to LSU, correct? Probably they didn't lose to Ole Miss. Or they did. You're absolutely right, and I apologize for that. Who who am I thinking of then that had a not a bad loss but got hammered by Ole Miss? Well, I know Alabama did for one, but I thought there was someone else. But you're right, and I appreciate that clarification. Now, I still don't think it changes the argument. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? I, I still think that just to win over Ole Miss with the lack of other schedule strength. That's right. It was Florida that beat Ole Miss pretty pretty handily. That's what pretty I good. Yeah, like That's what I had as. Yes. So, beating them a second time, I guess is what I was trying to get at. Uh, I don't think would augment the resume all that much. You imagine I agree. You're not getting in. <laughs> it would be wild. It almost happened last year. Yeah. You know, all they needed was a Bama loss and and frankly, there were things that could have happened in the regular season that could have hoisted say Auburn in there that that would have made it very difficult as well. It's uh, it's yeah. you know it's a changing environment here in college football, and I find that we'll find the next couple of years to be very very interesting, and may or may not lead even to changes in the format. And I, I think it will be an evolving storyline. There's no doubt about it. And and Tony, if if there's any other thoughts you had on your mind, burning questions, burning uh, sort of things you needed to get off your chest about about college football or anything else that's shaken out in the next uh, two weekends? Uh, just kind of random, but do you think, this is kind of more prolated, but do you think Chip Kelly makes his way back to college next year? Kevin, I know we've talked about it. <laughs> yes, we have. Go, the Thanksgiving Day go, Massacre. Go ahead, Kev. I, I'll leave it to you. Well, I mean, there's only one person in the organization who can fire Chip Kelly uh, because of That's how many Kelly. positions he owns. And that's uh, Lori, the owner. Uh, I, I think they give him another year. Um, but the way – I mean, they played the Patriots next week, and they just got blown out by Tampa Bay and Detroit in consecutive weeks. So uh, I, if that New England game goes badly, I can't see um, him there for much longer. And, uh, and realistically, I can't see that New England game going well at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Now, how about this one? How about this one, guys? He's competitive for a little bit. He'll stay. If it's constant blowouts for the rest of the year, I don't think he might, he might not make it to season end. Now, what I'll for say as game, well, like because, because, Tony, all these people are saying, you know, Chip Kelly to LSU, and that's driven by the fact that people are saying that Les Miles will go from LSU. First of all, I don't understand that in the least. I, I don't understand why they would like to fire – Less miles for what he's done all over the years. It's just because he's not Nick Saban, if you ask me. And I find that to be ridiculous. It's also ridiculous because, and this is a personal rant, if you will, of mine, but I can't stand when people will say that, um, I can't say when people will, uh, oh, you know what? I think I just lost both of those guys and took our next caller. 
and I apologize. You know what? Let's take a quick break and come back on the other side, and I apologize. We'll have Wade for you on the other side. But the finish to that rant is simply that I, when coaches like Les Miles, when they're about to get fired and they can look back on opportunities that they've had before, you know, and, and now we do have Kevin back. Kevin, I apologize. Hit the wrong button. You back? Yep, I'm back, Bob. All right. Uh, I'm just going to finish this, and then we'll let you go and uh, go back for the second hour. But I guess the final point I was going to make, when Les Miles turns down the Michigan job in years prior, and people say, good for him, you know, he's finally a guy that's staying loyal, and they rip a coach for taking a better offer and saying you should be loyal to the place where you came, when something like this happens and you go, let's say, 8-3 and three this year and have done all those things for the school, for LSU, and then they fire you, why should you have loyalty if there's not going to be loyalty on the back end for something that I don't believe he's earned? I don't believe he's earned an exit from Baton Rouge. It's just people with unrealistic expectations year after year after year and it's very frustrating to me. So Les Miles, he should have taken that Michigan job because it's not open right now. And he'll get another great job. He's a great coach and will continue to be a, uh, really a key cog in the college football landscape. But it really frustrates me in this society, one, how quick we are to fire head coaches, and two, how people get angry at head coaches or even players that matter, for that matter when they change locations or chase more money. Or take a job that they've always wanted, even though they build up another program. Take Shaka Smart, Brad Stevens, for example, in the college basketball sphere. It's really frustrating to me to see that because then you come back on the other side and the schools don't have loyalty to the coach, even though he continues to produce. And that's where I feel about, uh, that's exactly where I am with relation to the Les Miles situation. Yeah, I mean, people... I mean, people like us make the same decisions. It's just not as much money. I mean, if we get a job offer that uh, we like better and offers us a lot more money, uh, a lot of people are going to take it. And it's just, I mean, even if you're with a company for that long, I mean, <laughs> you could have the same argument whether you're staying loyal to the company or the same school like Les Miles is. But, uh, I mean, people scrutinize him uh, when people like us make the same decisions every day. That's exactly right. And so... It's disappointing, and I hope Les keeps a job. But, hey, think of it this way, Kevin. You could have Harbaugh lead, leave to coach the Colts, a firing of Chuck Pagano that would make no sense. Michigan would be open. Les Miles could go up to Ann Arbor. And then, of course, that opens the door for Chip Kelly. So, hey, you never know, right? It's a revolving door. Anything can happen. Yep, and uh, I don't think Eagles fans right now would be too upset about that revolving door. <laughs> Nope, just uh, don't let the door hit you on the backside when you're walking out. Absolutely. All righty, Kevin, I appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping back on and sticking with me. I, I hit the wrong button there, but was glad to get your thoughts on that final issue. Yep, thanks for having me, Bob. It was fun. All right, you got it. That is Kevin McClernand from Colorado. We will take a quick break, but the number to call in, open phone lines, 215-622-7239. Again, 215 622 7239, your number to call in. We'll also have Wade Brogdon on the other side. He's out of the West Coast, San Francisco, but right now he's calling us uh, from Detroit, so we'll get him on the other side. He has some thoughts on the SEC, a big SEC guy, and 
I can't wait to hear his thoughts on the top four, and you get the chance to talk to Wade as well. That's 215-622-7239. Resume Wars on the other side. We'll give you two teams, a little bit about them. If you had to pick one, which would be able to get to the top four and why? Again, you're listening to BOS, Black Friday, college football pregame show, and we will be right back. Elmark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, Elmark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. Elmark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at lmarksigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's lmarksigns.com. 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Elmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. Elmarksigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here and I want to tell you about the good folks over at City Year Philadelphia. Every day, the dedicated young adults at City Year make an impact in high-need schools in Philadelphia and in 26 other cities across the country by serving students who need extra help to stay on track to graduate. If you are ages 17 to 24 and are interested in serving as a tutor, role model, or mentor, check out the inspiring stories at hashtag MakeBetterHappen. City Year is currently accepting applicants for the next school year. Soccer is the fastest-growing sport in America. It's about time the most popular game in the world, the beautiful game of soccer, comes to Philly Airwaves. Boozella, the World Soccer Show, presented by the Iron Abbey, is a live, interactive talk show dealing entirely with professional soccer. The show exists only to serve the love of the culture, pageantry, and tactical aspect of the beautiful game of soccer. Join Boozella every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group. Just search Bob Long Sports, and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U-S-T-R-E-A-M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports. Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. BobLongSports.com gives you not only the best radio broadcasts on the internet, but plenty of articles as well. Stay up to date on your Penn State football team. Stay up to date on college football, the MLB, the NFL, and every other major sport out there. Tune in to all the radio shows and be sure to check our website regularly to see what content we have up now. And when you hear that jingle... Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. You know you're in the right place. Welcome back to Bob Long Sports. It's the BLS Radio Show Weekly right here on Bob Long Sports. And you can follow us on Twitter at that very same handle. So we had a great first hour. Thanks to Kevin and Tony for being with us for that. And 
Lots to talk about throughout college football still. Some huge games starting today on Friday and then certainly tomorrow as well. And for that, we will bring in Wade Brogdon. You know him as the former host with me of the Bob Long Sports Radio Show. He went for greener pastures out to the great state of California and San Francisco, but has been so gracious uh, all since that point to continue calling in with his analysis. And he's with us right now. He's actually out of Detroit, so a bit colder, but hopefully not too bad. How you doing, Wade? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me, Bob. Absolutely. This is fun. I, I I miss uh, talking to you. I need to call in more often. <laughs> no problem. It's it's on our end as well. We've really ratcheted it back up in the last, uh, I guess we'll say, couple months. Over the summer, we hadn't done as much and dipping our toes and, and frankly, our, our whole feet into the high school play-by-play and now into college play-by-play for different high school events. So it's good to get back to you know, the bread and butter of BLS, which has been our radio show. So glad to have you back as well. So let's absolutely let's get right into it. What are your initial thoughts? I know you are in Big Ten country right now. and Yeah, I was actually at Michigan uh, at U of M. What was it? Uh, uh, I think two days ago. Okay. Uh, I went and picked up uh, my fiance's cousin there. She goes, she's a freshman there. And I was so disappointed. She sold her Ohio State Michigan ticket because I guess she's not a football yeah, so um, that that was very disappointing. But uh, they got a big game this this weekend. Uh, Ohio State coming to the big house. Um, you know that could be interesting because Michigan this year uh, obviously isn't anything to uh, um, to write off. I mean, they're what are they twelve right now? Twelve or thirteen? Michigan um, at this point is actually ten. The ten, okay, yeah. So they're a top ten team. Ohio State. I still think, you know, even though they're they're not ranked necessarily in the top five, I think they're a top five caliber team. Obviously, um, hard to keep them up there after after uh, losing that to last a, loss. A backup quarterback, yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, you know, it's going to be a, a really strong strong game. The Big Ten this year has just been uh, actually a really big surprise for me, though. Uh, I don't know about you, Bob. What do you What do you think of? And I assume you mean a good surprise, and that having yeah, four teams. It, it's a good surprise. I mean, not necessarily for me because I'm an SEC guy. Um, but <laughs> sure, sure. Good and good in that everybody uh, has kind of pleasantly surprised me in, in the actual level of talent. You don't have a Boise State up there where everybody knows they're not a top ten team, but they used to get ranked there all the time. Right. Um, right. All of these, all of these folks are beating meaningful teams, and um, you know they have really, really top talent. Uh, so it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, it but, has been uh, yeah, yeah. What what are your thoughts there, Bob? We we talked a little bit in the first hour. I, I do think that Michigan has a chance still at this point. Now it's contingent upon Penn State beating Michigan State, which I wouldn't necessarily hold your breath for if you're a Wolverines fan. But not to say it couldn't happen. Michigan State doesn't put it up a ton of points, and Penn State does have a very good defense. I could see both of those teams holding each other into the teens, much like you saw last week with Ohio State and Michigan State. The 9-2, and two, I think, is 9-2 and two for Michigan is a bit deceiving, and certainly I'm sure you saw that game, Michigan State against Michigan. You don't count as a win for Michigan, but I think you need to really take that into account if you are yeah. the selection committee. You're really close to a 10-1 a and one right there instead of a 9-2, and two, as far as your selection committee things go. Um, 
that's absolutely right. Yeah. Now, now I'm not as familiar with the Big Ten as I am other conferences, uh, and obviously you are, Bob. So what happens now? How does this play out? So say uh, Michigan State and, and Michigan both win these games here. Uh, is there a Big Ten? There's a Big Ten championship game, right? There is. And so what is very interesting this year, and frankly I'll say for the foreseeable future, I think the Big Ten East will be – much stronger than the Big Ten West because you have Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all in that East. And again, that's including Penn State. Penn State is in there as well. And and as the sanctions continue to lop off and if Franklin can begin to improve the program there, you have four out of the six programs in that Big Ten East that are really solid teams. And yep. if not national powers, then out west. And then you know, in the west, you got uh, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's ha- kind of having a down year. Yeah, they're usually they're a perennial top twenty-five. Uh, ne- Nebraska, if they ever want to find their way back into a national prominence type position. Uh-huh. But uh, right now, well, it's Iowa at eleven and zero that has already clinched the Big Ten West. Now, you know, here's the thing about Iowa that I've always uh, they've always been known for having their three hundred plus pounders. Um, on the offensive line and, and beating the heck out of everybody. Yeah. Um, I think that's the kind of football that has the potential to, to actually win a championship. Um, now, can they compete if they end up playing, you know, Michigan State in the in the championship game right there in the in the Big Ten championship? I don't know. Um, I haven't watched them enough to to see how they play against really really fast speedsters. Um, but I. And, uh, you know, you work through the, the top five or six uh, as far as the rankings go yeah. right now. Um, I think this year, in, for the first time in, in many years, I can actually agree with top five or six teams as they rank them um, right now, at least on the AP poll I'm, I'm looking at. And then you can go to the, what is it, the playoff pulse or something, right. top 25, <laughs> six. Yeah. Um, Whatever they do, you know, Clemson is is a clear number one with being eleven and zero, and they beat some meaningful teams. Um, Davo is has has got his swagger under him. I think he's he's definitely kind of reminds me a little bit of Urban Meyer back when Urban was at Florida. Just kind of everything goes right for him, and he continues to get these all star stud recruits every year. Yeah, um, unbelievable athletes. Alabama, you can't. I, I know the press is actually starting to kind of hate on Alabama. Um, but how, how do you now in what way, point? what, what would you say that in what way are they hating on Alabama? You know, playoff committee of being just really up on Alabama all the time, even after they lost. And even though they beat when they beat ranked teams, the, all of those ranked teams are almost all of them are now unranked. So are they still getting credit for that? And my argument is clear. You know, they were ranked at the time, so everybody agreed that their talent was adequate to be ranked. Um, And the reason that they're unranked now, or a big reason of it, is Alabama beat them. Um, You know, Georgia, you look at LSU, um, it kind of goes down the list there. And then Alabama, you know, they had a kind of a slip-up against Ole Miss there, but what was that, a seven-point game? Yeah, and again, that's lost, that's the uh, second year in a row with Ole Miss. Yes, yeah. yeah, they you know they have kind of some kind of scheming where they um, uh, they got Alabama's number a little bit, but 
you know, Ole Miss isn't isn't necessarily having the best year after that either. So right. I think Alabama behind Derrick Henry, uh, you know, now that Fournette's definitely falling off the map, a sharp fall right off the map. Everybody couldn't stop talking about him, and he he was justifying it by putting up it was like 200 yards a game almost. Yeah, three and, touchdowns, um, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody, you know, is, is definitely justifiable. But I always said, you know, at the beginning of the season, he had never played. Uh, a team that could zero in on him and really had NFL quality or at least SEC quality, um, you know, linebackers and a defensive front. And then Alabama gets him and they hold him to less than 40 yards. Sure. Something crazy like that. And he like hasn't that. been and great since then either. He hasn't. And I think, you know, either other coaches paid attention to what Alabama did or he literally just got worn down and lost a little bit of that, uh, a bit, bit of that cloud he was kind of running on. Um, but he's still an amazing talent. He'll, I, I think he'll be a solid NFL player because he's just so enormous and so strong. Now, um, Wade, we had, we had a discussion in the first hour about a way that the SEC could very easily be left out, and I want to get your thoughts on it as an SEC guy. Let's say that Alabama loses this weekend to 6-5 and five Auburn. I, I don't necessarily see it happening. but You never know, though. At, at Auburn, it can happen. Yep, there's know. no doubt yeah. about it. The, the miracle of Jordan Hare. And I, I'll tell you, if they were to lose that game, Ole Miss has an opportunity with a win in the Egg Bowl. They would win based on the tied conference record and the head-to-head victory against Alabama. They would win the SEC West, and they would go up against a – and at least one lost Florida who plays Florida State this weekend. I think even if Florida beats Florida State and then goes to play Ole Miss, I don't think either of those teams make that jump. Ole Miss is definitely out. Uh, you cannot include a three-loss program yep. into the college football playoff. Yep. There's too many good teams out there. Um, if Alabama, let's see here, Florida's only shot is if they win out. Right, so I agree. I think I think Florida's in if it beats a 13 or 14 ranked Florida State, and then proceeds to follow it up with whipping the heck out of Alabama. Meaningfully, yes, I agree. Uh, if they if they beat the tar out of Alabama, I think you got to put them four and just sneak them into the college football playoffs because you know following up a Florida State who has had their run at, at national titles and, and national prowess. Um, and then, and then proceeding to be a clear, you know, if they wouldn't have dropped that one touchdown to Ole Miss, a clear number one would have been Alabama. Sure. Um, I, I think they're in, but it's a very realistic, it is not many things have to happen for the SEC to completely, um, fall out here. Uh, it's, it's definitely in the cards. Because um, I, I think as well, Wade, uh, you mentioned beating, Florida State and then Alabama, I think that puts them in, no doubt about it. They wouldn't have what I would consider, besides a win over Ole Miss, a great victory this year. I don't know what beating Ole Miss a second time would necessarily do for them. Yes, it would give them a conference championship. And yes, Florida State would be a good win. And Ole Miss, yes, another good win. But I don't know if that second win over Ole Miss, after already beating them earlier in the year, would be able to jump jump them eight spots. It doesn't jump you over a potentially undefeated Iowa or a one-loss Michigan State or a one-loss Notre Dame. Um, heck, you know, even Ohio State, but at that point, they're kind of irrelevant. 
Right. Um, right. A lot of things that have to go right for Ohio State. Yeah. And something interesting now, you know, in, in my territory at Stanford, and I, I went and watched them play against Washington. They just beat the heck out of Washington um, in that game. Um, you know, Stanford is 9-2, and two, uh, but ranked 9 over a few really quality one-loss programs. Yes. Um, Oklahoma State, know, Florida, North Carolina, and even Navy, whose only loss was to Notre Dame, who's 10-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah. And Navy has a Heisman candidate. You know, there's a Keenan stellar Reynolds. team this year. Yep. Um, so Stanford's interesting because, you know, say they went out, um, now, who are they playing if they, you know, when they reach that championship game? Yes, they are locked into the Pac-12 championship game. They face Notre Dame. They'll need to win that for sure to keep themselves in the right. mix. But once they do that, the Pac-12 will be against the winner of UCLA and Southern Cal, which will kick off this weekend. Okay, um, I think that's a really wonderful game. Stanford. Totally. So then you put them. So if they're in that position, they've already beat Notre Dame. So you, you have to say that Notre Dame is now out of the top 10 if that happens or ranked about 10. Stanford moves yep. up a couple slots. Then if they proceed to beat a UCLA, uh, which I'm presuming that it's going to be, uh, I think UCLA is going to beat USC. Um, then they could they could sneak their way in too. There's a lot of different things that can play out right now. Um, this is this is really fascinating to me. Um, what do you think about Stanford getting in there? Though? I think Stanford can do it. I, I think they need help, probably in the form of a one-loss Iowa winning the Big Ten. And the reason I go. say that is ne- losing to Nebraska tomorrow. Actually, tonight they're playing, 3.30, so not even tonight. This afternoon, a matinee. If they were to lose that, the same way the Nebraska team beat Michigan State earlier in the year, and then if that Iowa team beats either Michigan State, Michigan, or Ohio State, I think Stanford jumps all three of them. Man, this is an exciting year. I think other years you had some kind of scrubs, and then you had a couple runaway people. Yep. Um, this year, This year is really interesting to me. Now, you know, one thing that has really impressed me, though, um, is Michigan State. Uh, I feel like they've had some really top-tier talent. Um, almost, you want to stay or, or close to it, where they, they every now and then they have just this stellar running back or, um, you know, they, they have a quality quarterback every now and then. This year they seem to be really finally putting all the pieces together. Um, and I think they're... I, I think, you know, you, you have to rank them number five right now because of the one loss, and, and they did drop it to Nebraska, so it wasn't a great loss. Um, but, man, they play like such a stellar program. Just the, the win against Ohio State was – I watched that entire game. Um, and they they knew they were going to win that game the entire game. Yeah. Um, now, also, the, the other part of me goes, I wish I watched the entire Michigan-Michigan State game. And you know that that was not their game. <laughs> they yep. were they were losing that definitely. Um, and that was a part of a time for this Michigan State team where they were playing teams way too close. Not that they've ever started blowing teams out, but yeah, for a lot of games this year, they've gone out and they've beat very good talent. They've beaten Oregon. They beat Ohio State with a backup quarterback and. I guess you throw the Michigan game there. They they did end up with more points at the end of the game. That's about the best I can say about that. 
They ended up with more <laughs> points on the scoreboard. Congratulations to them. But in the yeah. meantime, they, they played games like Indiana and some of these teams, I feel like, very close. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, also with, uh, with as far as Michigan State goes, I think you're exactly right. They, they play down. They kind of remind me of uh, of almost the University of Georgia because that's it, not this year. I'm obviously not talking about Georgia this year, mm-hmm. but in, in other years where Georgia has been a top 10 team or, or really quality, they'll play down to their competition. So in the years that, you know, when Urban Meyer was there and Tim Tebow, uh, the, the one year they beat Tebow at their place. And then the very next week they, they go and play a squad. Um, I think it was a Tennessee and they beat them by like four points or something. They, <laughs> they were notorious for doing that. So Michigan state reminds me a little bit of that. It's unbelievable talent. Um, you know, deserving of the ranking, but they're they're not blowing people out um, right. Right. right now. I, I'm, it's it's just it's really refreshing uh, for me to to not have Florida State um, up there in the the top five. I think I completely agree. Completely. Seeing these other squads, you know, the the Big Ten squads. Um, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Ohio State. Um, so I'm I'm really really happy that uh, Michigan State kind of put it on them, and I got a I got a really big feeling that Michigan's going to put it on them, especially Michigan. Um, <laughs> I, you, you know what I, I'm saying? I do, and I get that feeling as well. I'm picking Michigan outright this weekend. Yeah. And I have to ask about last weekend with Ohio State. I want to get your thoughts. Certainly, you played the game for a long time. You understand the emotion that goes into right after a loss, but when Ezekiel Elliott rips the coaching staff and says these guys didn't put us in an a opportunity or a place to win the game, or you guys are nuts to think that I'd be coming back, I'm out of here, this is my last game in the shoe, and then Cardale Jones says the same thing that he's leaving, what does that say? I mean, what is your immediate reaction when you hear something like that? Uh, so, a couple things. You know, first off, that's a... a much larger. I think if you're a coach, you have every right to get pissed off, uh, and and you know maybe even take out some retribution on and revenge on these guys, and either uh, punish them at practice with with running or public you know public hazing almost. Um, but then you got to take a step back, and it sounds like Urban Meyer did this. If your studs are saying this, and they're your leaders, you know I don't think these are are good necessarily great leaders i i don't think cardell jones uh carries the qualities of someone who who you know you want to completely lead your football team and it's obvious now that uh that ezekiel does, does not either um but these are you know it is what it is these are your leaders if they're saying this on that kind of national stage you really got to take a step back uh, identify things in your organization and why these guys got to this point that, that they feel comfortable on going on national TV um, and criticizing the organization and your coaching staff. So um, I think it's two things. You know, Urban has every right to be mad. If I were in his shoes, um, I would – I might even sit both of them for a quarter or something just to sure. – and make it known uh, that, you know, that's not to be tolerated in this program. Uh, but I think, you know, if you got guys like that coming out and saying it, um, I don't think it was it was for no reason. I think they had a little bit of uh, twinge behind them. Um, if I'm in their shoes, there's no way 
you say anything like I'm not coming back next year. I'm not. They just lost a couple of draft spots. Um, is how I look at it. Sure. On their end, well, you know, what kind of NFL program wants to bring in a guy, a hothead, that just because they lost a, a foot, college football game, and even though you know they still had some decent numbers and whatnot, um, just because they lost a little college football game, they can't handle adversity at all. This is the first time they've been in adversity uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and the first time it happened, they panic, bolt on their entire team, and also say that blame it on their coaches. You know, right? Um, you, you go from being a, a first rounder maybe to a second rounder, uh, which which is we all know is a, a difference of a, a few million bucks. Sure, um, sure. I wonder if that's the case for Elliott. I, I I get it on Jones because one, I don't even know what position he's going to play, and I, I mean, I guess he's going to be drafted as a quarterback, but. Yeah. What what about him has shown you, Wade, that he's ready for the accuracy necessary to be a quarterback at the next level? He's big as hell. I C- think. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I know. So is your he's, offensive lineman. I know. I know. There's something about Cardell. I don't think he's a premier quarterback. I don't think he's, uh, you know, the, the next Andrew Luck um, or anything. I think he has the tools necessary. Now, you know, so so did uh, what's his face Russell uh, a while ago. Jamarcus Russell wasn't, yep. that, wasn't that the guy that uh, uh, went to the Raiders and just kind of fell off the right. map? Yeah, he also could, Vince. He Vince could throw Young. a ball from uh, or sixty yards from his knees. Yeah. That was that was the big thing. Well, that's great, but that means you're down. So that doesn't yeah. really matter to me. <laughs> yeah, now that you're on the ground, who cares? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he has the tools, so he's going to be attracted to an NFL organization. Now, I don't think he's going to be a high, a high draft pick necessarily, but um, Cardell, uh, as far as NFL tools and NFL skill set goes, I think has the best shot from that team. Um, it's just a case of, you know, with, with Ohio State, I think where they went wrong is Urban Meyer tried to get cute and had his stud dude go to receiver. And, okay, that's right. fine. But, obviously, that, that does something to your team, um, you know, with, with no stability there and also uh, kind of telling everybody, like, hey, even if you're amazing, you know, we're going to change positions up on you. And then you go with, with a guy who gets a, a DUI in the middle of the seat. Mistakes. And you can't really – kick a guy while he's down on that end, but clearly he's he's not the most focused quarterback and focused individual, um, you know, that, that you would like to be leading the team at Ohio state. And then you have Cardell Jones. who just seems like he he's studying social media marketing or something. <laughs> um, cause all he likes to do is tweet out and, uh, and we ain't here to know, play be, school. Be, yeah. Be, <laughs> be, be a personality on, on, uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. So, That's exactly right. You know, I think Urban got got a little too cute. And he got, I think he uh, he had too much talent on his hands, so he didn't know where to go. If I were him, you know, I, I would have stuck with one guy completely. That's our starter, um, and and gone with it. He's he's really bounced all around. Now, also, they've had some injuries, so um, right, it does help right. to have some stud backups. But Ohio State's just an anomaly. I think I just I carried. I carried on a respectful hatred of Urban Meyer and all of his uh, antics and, and the way he runs his programs from his days at Florida when they used to beat the tar out of Georgia 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, it that. pays to be a Gator hater. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Well, that. I'll tell you what, and it's a great segue because your respectful hatred for Urban Meyer, I believe, is shared with our next caller. And that is Dalton out of Michigan, but he wants nothing to do with Michigan. How are you, Dalton? I'm great, Bob. How are you? We're doing well. You're on with Bob and Wade, and we want your thoughts on uh, on college football this morning. All right. Well, well, first off, Bob and Wade, happy Thanksgiving. Second off, I'd just like to say that it is uh, 10:35 on November 27th, and Michigan still sucks. <laughs> um, now, now, with that being said, I'd love to talk any college football. Um, I really don't pay attention much to the SEC because you know everybody else pays attention to it for me. <laughs> So I don't know that I can, I can converse anything about it with you, Wade, but uh, anything else I'm game to talk about. Well, you're, you're a Notre well, Dame the guy, SEC, right? The SEC so. is pretty irrelevant this year, so you're all right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as an ND guy, I mean, just lay it out on the line for us. Make your argument. I'm, my name's Bob Long. The name of the commissioner or the, uh, the committee chair is Jeff Long, so I will be sure to pass along the message. You know, I, I have some notes written down. That's how that's how prepared I became I like for it. calling in. I like it. Um, and my first question is literally, are Bob and Jeff Long related? Unfortunately, well, actually, but, fortunately yeah. for me, fortunately for me, we are not. <laughs> I want no association to that man or his committee because I think they do a terrible job. Awful job. Awful job. I'll second that a million times, Bob, <laughs> but continue. Sorry. Okay, no, no worries. Um, I will open up with one interesting fact that at, at first glance, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, the committee's talking about winning conference championships. And obviously Notre Dame is an independent, is not in a conference. You know, thank goodness. I would hate to be in a conference. It sounds boring. But <laughs> um, I will point out that, you know, if, uh, if a few things go right this weekend, and they may say if everything holds chalk this weekend, Notre Dame will be the only team in the country to have wins over both participants in two conference title games and therefore two conference champions. And, you know, if, if you really want to get in a, in a conversation, I said that means Notre Dame won the conference if we beat your best team. And I, I guess that's not a sound argument, <laughs> but I'll, I'll ride or die with what I just said there. Well, and Notre I, Dame think, I have think it is a sound argument. I think it is a sound argument. Okay. Absolutely. Well, you know, I got, you know, I live up in Big Ten country, and they're like, you don't go on the road and pay and play Nebraska. And apparently, according to Michigan State people, that's difficult. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't tell them that it is difficult. But you know, they they tell me that that's what winning the conference really means instead of just beating a good team. But anyway, Notre Dame could have wins over the American participants, which would be Navy and Temple, and then also USC and Stanford. Granted, you know, the only team that's locked in currently is Stanford. We need Temple to get a win. I'll be honest, I don't know who they play, but we need Keenan Reynolds to run all over Houston, and then we need USC to beat UCLA, which are all very possible things that could happen. I don't think any of yes. those are upset. And Dalton, now, Temple, Dalton, I got a question. Well, Temple will play Connecticut. They will host them Saturday, 7 oh, p.m. Oh, that's right. And now I'll, now I'll give it to Bob Bianco's UConn squad. <laughs> What's that? Well, I got a question yeah. for you on last weekend. Fire away. Uh-huh. BC. Notre Dame, Fenway, three-point ball game. What happened there? BC uh, out of nowhere. You know, it's it's a good question. I uh, I was in the building for it. It was it was annoying. 
it was very typical, you know, little brother's going to give you his best shot. And, and we took it on the chin and we turned the ball over five times, three times in the red zone. And we looked sloppy. I mean, we, we gained a lot of yards and we couldn't punch it over the goal line. And that's something that really scares me about this Notre Dame team is one, we play to our competition. It doesn't matter if we're playing Clemson on the road in a monsoon when they've had 16 days rest to play us. It doesn't matter. I mean, barring UMass, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We play to our competition, and it's a very scary thing to live with week in and week out with this Irish squad. Um, you know, we should have played better. You know, I, I don't know that that's any, you know, the turnovers are an explanation, not so much an excuse. Um, but that, I mean, that's kind of where it went. And then the other thing I will say is, you know, looking at some scores can make games look closer than they are. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I, I watched the game. Because yeah, okay. I, I met a, I met a, I met a person who said that Notre Dame's not any good because we beat Georgia Tech by eight, and that was the final score. But they scored sixteen points in the last two minutes of the ball game. And, and Georgia Tech and is a good ball club. Georgia Tech is a good ball club. It's hard to beat not in the middle of the season, uh, just because of their offense, their their wing tee, and uh, the thing. You just can't prepare for it. So. Uh, um, and then yeah. you guys didn't have an off week before it either. So, um, yeah, we, um, yeah. I mean, in terms of Boston college, they answer your question. I, I don't really know what happened other than the fact that, um, you know, up until we got inside the red zone, we, we can gain yards with the best of them. We are play calling fine. And then it's like, you know, a guy that doesn't have much game out on a first date there and you get inside the red zone and you don't know what to do with your hands and you just, you flip out. <laughs> Well, that's pretty much what happened. That's a pretty good analogy. But here's what concerns me about Notre Dame when they come up tomorrow against Stanford. Uh, so as you know, Stanford's got a stud running back in McAfee. And their their backup is actually Barry Sanders Jr. Um, I, sorry, I thought it was fascinating. I, I went to the game and I was like, is that Barry Sanders? I thought I was seeing things. Um, but anyway, needless to say, they, they keep the ball on the ground and they have a uh, they make you pay on turnovers because, you know, you turn the ball over, you effectively lose your possession, and, you know, you don't have the ball for, for 10 minutes in the game or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think if, if Notre Dame uh, even has two or three turnovers, um, they don't really have a shot at the Stanford game. I think they're a better ball team than Stanford. Obvious, uh, you know, according to the record and, and, and also the rankings, I think they stand up to it. But if there are some turnovers – um, and I think it's been raining down in Palo Alto, so it might be a little bit mushy too. Now, um, for for Wade and Dalton, I want to ask you a question, and I think on the surface it may sound like a crazy question, but I think it's actually a good one. Which quarterback would you rather have in this game? Would you rather have Kaiser? I know that he's just coming in this year. Or would you have Kevin Hogan, three, four year type guy, but never has excited me. Go ahead, Dalton. Uh, Wade, I, okay. Um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, Bob. Um, Sean Kaiser is so confident. It, it makes you feel confident as another human being. I don't care what you're talking about. Um, this is just okay. a little inside baseball here. No, no, no. And I mean, that's, that's literally, I'll take it, right? He has, he has all the physical tools to make whatever throws he needs. He's fast enough. Um, he's fast enough, quote unquote, to run DK's system. I'm at, Deshaun last year, and Deshaun thought, and this obviously didn't play out this way, but he thought coming into this year, 
Everett was going to bump to the NFL and he was just going to flat out beat Malik for the starting job. And that's an 18 year old kid saying that to you. I mean, he, it's, it's weird because it's not cocky. He just, he's just like, that's, that's what I think is going to happen. And obviously things played out differently, but I mean, I haven't seen a kid just get under center and, you know, play like, you know, he, he doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's too young to know the gravitas of the situation he's been put in. And I, I don't know that that with me is what would make me take the Sean. Yeah. And, you know, I can't argue with that. He's, I, he, I think he has more tools and I think he's a better athlete and probably a better quarterback uh, uh, than Stanford's QB. But that being said, Stanford's guy's been there for a few years. He's got the tools right behind him. Um, and they really do have such a good ground game. They don't have to worry necessarily about uh, the, the bomb throws. When I went to the game, they had so many throws that were less than 10 yards. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, so it really didn't take that talented of a quarterback. It was kind of more like a, you know, back in the AJ McCarron days of Alabama, where I think he was a pretty bad quarterback, but all he had to do was make the first read and get it to the skill guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Stanford's QB is, is definitely the lesser athlete and probably lesser uh, NFL potential, but for this game, you know, the purpose of, of playing Notre Dame and executing at home also, um, he might have a slight advantage. You know, I know it gets very daunting, even when you're, you're really confident and it sounds like this dude is, uh, has just stellar confidence and presence, but it's pretty daunting when you walk into, uh, you know, an opposing squad, uh, with pretty much national title implications on the line. And it's not Boston College or something, you know, some case uh, that it's it's supposed to be. So it should be a good game. I'm going to have to watch it on an airplane. I'm going to be flying back to California while it's playing. Now, Um, let me, that's actually a great, um, a good segue. First of all, Dalton, before we let you go, we want your prediction. But second, and Wade, that's your answer for Saturday, unfortunately. But as we are here on Black Friday, we're about 15 minutes from kickoff and one of the greatest weekends of the year. What are your plans? What are you boys doing either today for the games and or tomorrow? Uh, for me, I am um, currently currently three and a half green beers in, so I, I will be sitting on my couch and drinking beer all day and watching football. Um, and tomorrow that plan changes slightly. I will be doing it uh, on my dad's couch instead of my mom's couch. But otherwise, um, I, I'm doing the same thing all day. I am uh, just clocking out and watching a whole bunch of sports. I'm an analyst. That's great. From that awesome sports bar close um, this afternoon, two thirty, right? Eastern. What's that game now? Which one? Are we losing you here, Wade? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can got, hear you. got you now, actually. All right. You got me now. Um, who plays at 330? 330 is Iowa, is, uh, Iowa Nebraska. Iowa. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to watch that game. I think I'm going to go to the sports bar for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, tomorrow night I, I fly out of Detroit at like 8 o'clock or something. Um, so I'm going to have to watch the Stanford game on the plane. Hopefully they have ESPN or something <laughs> streaming on the plane. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to – pay for internet and get like text alerts or something. Um, <laughs> well, that's but, good. uh, yeah, I'll get to, but 
quick thing though before before year, I want to hear both your thoughts. I don't know how with the NFL, um, but uh, we're really having. I think think we're having trouble. Dalton, you having trouble as well with him? Yeah, I I can't hear you. You You can't hear anything I'm saying. All right, now, nope. go now. We got 30-second pockets here. <laughs> okay. Um, well, NFL, San Francisco is doing terribly. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on NFL stuff real quick. Sure. Uh, well, I will say, one, what's happening where I'm sitting right now in Philadelphia is that the sky is falling on Philadelphia, and Chip Kelly is, is expected to go sooner rather than later. With the second straight blowout, it's becoming even more intense, the calls for his job. Uh, beyond that, the NFC East is, is awful. Uh, and even with the way the Eagles are playing, with the Giants' loss this weekend, the Eagles could be just one game out. Beside that, you have two teams undefeated at this point, the Panthers blowing out the Cowboys, Romo out for the year, and the Patriots... I mean, they're net. They, I think they have a very good chance once again to to seek a sixteen and zero type season, and those would be my two biggest storylines. To your San Francisco point, yes, they're struggling. Yes, they're Jim Harbaugh-less, and I'm not sure what's next for them. <laughs> there, there's questions about Colin Kaepernick, and you can probably speak to them more granularly than I can. But it seems as if they're getting tired of him out there. He's done. Okay. He's, he's on the he's on the chopping block. Yeah, uh, lost all support from all fans, uh, management, and I, I think has lost support as well. I think he's done. You know, right after the last game, uh, and if he doesn't, you know, if he if he isn't smart enough to really shop around for a trade, I think he'll get cut next year. Um, of, wow. of all things, so I think he's definitely smarter, and he, he has a lot of talent, a lot of. A lot of programs could utilize him, um, you know, <laughs> including the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the Eagles need a – I think RG3 should go to the Eagles. RG3, huh? That's what I think. Just what do you because – ju- ju- why? 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 He's in an awful place. He would fit right into uh, Chip Kelly's scheme that he likes to do with an okay. athletic quarterback. He's better than Sanchez and maybe better than Brad. Well, definitely better than Bradford and Chip Kelly's scheme. I don't think he's a better quarterback than Bradford. Right. Generally. Uh, And he's in a terrible place at the Redskins. Everybody hates him and he hates everybody. Sure. (laughs) Well, he's a quality, you know, he's a fantastic quarterback. High school, a fantastic player. Um, Yeah. I struggle with that one a little bit. I struggle with that. I, I don't know if he's a starting quarterback anywhere at this point. Really? Wow, I don't know. Am I am I crazy, Dalton? Um, I I don't think RG three in Philadelphia is a horrible idea for what the other options are out there. Okay, I mean yeah. you obviously you obviously want Mariota, right? But if you're really looking at people that would fit in the NFL in Kelly's system, I mean, what you got Kaepernick, you got RG three. I mean, Nick Foles isn't working. Sam Bradford isn't working. I mean, you know, maybe throw a package together for the quote-unquote struggling Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. I don't know. He can run a little bit. But, I mean, you don't really have a whole lot of options for, you know, the uh, read option guy in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest point. You know, you got to get there, – there's not a whole lot of um, necessarily athletic quarterbacks 
in the NFL, you know, that type of athlete. Um, because those guys can't run any other systems. And, you know, most of the other teams are built off of the, the pocket passing or at least some type of presence uh, in the pocket. It's interesting. Um, yeah. But, uh, maybe. Yeah, and, you know, going back to Pittsburgh, our Pittsburgh days, though, Bob, our Steelers, uh, yes. they got a shot. Yeah, they do. I mean, listen, they with Roethlisberger's injuries, that's that's been extremely difficult for them to get through. But here they are; they're still right at the top of the wild card, and and Cincinnati falling fast. It, it is. There's an opportunity for them to go to the playoffs, and in the AFC, there's really nobody other than the Patriots that should scare you. And uh, yeah, and as a Bills guy, that is encouraging to me, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So and I have a question for you, Bob. You're going to know this, Bob. What happens if all like is it allowed to just pick a quarterback up just whenever now at this point in the season? Because all three of Pittsburgh signed quarterbacks are injured I, in some capacity. You know, I believe Landry, you can. I believe you could pick someone up off off a waiver. Obviously, the trade deadline is come and gone. Right. But I believe you can bring up, pick up like a practice squad type guy and then call him up. I believe that's possible. That's encouraging because these guys are limping all over the place. Roethlisberger has the knee and now the foot. Um, Landry Jones got hurt. uh, And Vic is not only past his prime, but he has a bad hammy and uh, everything else. Mm -hmm. So these guys have have no healthy – all their quarterbacks are limping into the meeting. Yeah, it's no, I, I hear that, uh, and <laughs> it's it's interesting, and we'll see we will see how it plays out. But I still think they're at, in as good a spot as anybody there in the AC, the AFC, I should say, to win that wild card. But guys, since we have you, and since we're actually coming up on the end here, so anybody want to run through some games, give us predictions? Sure. All right, let's do it. Let's start with Miami and Pittsburgh. It's a Pittsburgh team head coach is Pat Narduzzi his first year. They're 8-3, and three, and for a lot of people, that nine-win threshold in college football means that you've arrived. They have a chance to do that against the seven and four Canes that have all kinds of issues right now with Al Golden and just a general lack of caring and, and apathy in the fan base. What do we think there at Pittsburgh? Pitt all the way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the line is, but uh, I'm taking Pitt regardless of what the line is. So. Two Pitts, and I'll join that. I, I go Pitt as well. Dalton, we'll start with you on this one. Navy 9-1 and one against Houston 10-1. and one. That's also in about five minutes. I think Keenan Reynolds rushes for 120 and throws for 200. That's the key there, Bob. All right. And they run away from the Cougars. What do you got, Wade? I don't know. Where, where is this game? Is this at Navy? That's at Houston. And, oh, by the way, just a quick aside, but they had this article out there saying it's going to be a crazy atmosphere at Houston. The game is sold out. Then I log on to ESPN and check out the schedule, and it has the StubHub link that's next to it. There are yeah. 2,000 <laughs> tickets available from $9. So congratulations for being sold out, but yes, not really sold out. And even if it is, <laughs> if I'm getting in for nine bucks, I mean, my goodness, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I think I, I think it's a Houston game right here. Uh, they were undefeated until last week, right? With the loss to uh, a couple weeks Memphis, ago, wasn't it Memphis? Right? Maybe it was yeah. last weekend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think the Coug- the Cougars are going to take this one. All right, Cougars. The Cougars. I go Navy from the midshipmen. Okay, I go Navy, and wouldn't that be something if, for whatever reason, they lost that game to Army? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> after, it would be winning, interesting after winning the conference championship. Ruin their <laughs> their hopes. <laughs> would be it would be maybe the biggest Army Navy game in the history of Army Navy. It would make Army Navy. It would make Army season. Yes, hundred percent, no doubt about it. That's all they have written all over their campus, all over <laughs> West Point. It's just beat Navy. <laughs> all right, um, Iowa and Nebraska, three thirty kick. Uh, we'll start with you, Wade. Iowa, all the way, by multiple scores. They're much better I than think Nebraska. A, I think it's a close one, Bob, and I think it comes down to whether the Big Ten refs want to uh, call a receiver out of bounds or not. But uh, <laughs> barring that call, barring that call, I'm going uh, going Huskers on this one. Going Huskers, heyo, out of boy. I joined Wade with the Iowa uh, Baylor TCU seven thirty. We'll go. Well, maybe, yeah, you know, we'll go for it. Yep. I'm going Baylor. Baylor upset at TCU. Not upset, but they're they're the favorite. But I think uh, anytime you go away and you're in Texas, it's uh, it's kind of tough. Um, with TCU's quarterback out, is is kind of no no contest. Okay, Baylor's quarterback's out as well. For that's all right. Worth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not worried. It's, about it's that. a battle of backups. It's a battle of backups, and I, I think you just got to go with whichever system you trust more. And really, to be honest, I trust the, the way Baylor plays defense a lot more than the way CCU plays defense. I think that's what it comes down to. So I'm, I'm going Bears on this one. Sick them. Upset alert here from BLS. I'm going TCU with the win. <laughs> TCU ends right. Baylor's season because Baylor, I mean, they're sitting there at seven right now. And I think they're the most forgotten team in this entire equation because they're on their third quarterback and because Oklahoma's ranked better. But as we get to on the other side, I'm picking Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And so with a win, you would have Baylor as the, quote, one true champion and the Big 12 representative. I think they come up short tonight. So we'll move. Yeah, we will move on to Saturday, though. Big slate on Saturday. Ohio State, Michigan, high noon. We'll go Wade. Michigan. Close game. Uh, Michigan's going to take it away at home. I think I hate Michigan more than anybody on earth, and I think they're going to beat them. So, yeah, Michigan as well. Make it three. (laughs) Michigan outright, which is, I think, a bit of a surprise. But, hey, the three of us are on board. Wolverines, three across. Clemson, South Carolina. It's a three and eight South Carolina team, but they beat North Carolina in the first game of the year. Could they bookend their schedule with destroying the hopes of ACC champions? Go ahead, Dalton. I'll, uh, I, I yeah, you know, I I think it'll be a lot closer than it needs to be. I think it'll be more closer than it'll be a Syracuse-type game for Clemson. They're not going to play well, but they're going to pull out, win by 10, and move on to the one seed. So, Here's the worst thing about playing South Carolina when they're bad is you know they're bad and you never prepare for them adequately. And it's right down the road, so you got all your family in town. It was Thanksgiving week, so you didn't have to travel. You were eating at home. I'm, I'm going to go ballsy on this one and call upset by three 
for wow. South Carolina. Wow. Ruin Clemson. I've seen them be much better teams than they ever are or ever dreamed to be. South Carolina is a season ruiner. They do it for everybody in the SEC. Uh, once a year, they'll beat someone that they really should. Wow. Um, and that's today. So I think they're due. You're First picking Clemson to Clemson the season. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. I am not. I go Clemson. I go by about 20 points, and I think they they roll South Carolina. The season's over. I know they got one to play for, but they haven't been playing for much. Uh, Penn State, Michigan State, 330. Let's go with Dalton. I, you know, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole bunch about Penn State football. Um, I know slightly a little bit more about Michigan State, but you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm uh, picking the Nittany Lions in this one to win by ten. And you need it, dude. You need it. Well, that's why I uh, said it, Bob. Yes, sir. I'm going to take Michigan State on a walk away. Okay. I'm just going to roll right over Penn State. I think yeah. I'd take Michigan State as well, but I think Penn State can keep it close. And we'll see how it goes. Okay. I think being played at Spartan Stadium, though, will be the difference. UNC-NC State. I know not the biggest game on your schedule, but UNC needs it to keep any last-ditch hopes alive. I think UNC takes this one, even though they're Carolina State. I mean, what a, that's like 15 minutes from their campus or something, so it's not even like an away game. Um, so, yeah, they're, I think UNC walks away with it. I think this game is not as close as the basketball matchup that will happen later. UNC rolls. <laughs> I go UNC as well. Iron Bowl, 330. Wade, have to go to you first on this one. Oh, baby. Mom. Go all the way out there and say that Auburn is going to win. Wow. So I'm taking Bama. However, oh. I think that Auburn, you never know what can happen in the Iron Bowl. When you're at home, all these guys, you know, they can get hyped up. Maybe you have a couple turnovers from Bama. I think if Derrick Henry is healthy and plays the whole game, then it's not a problem. But crazy things happen. So Auburn could ruin Alabama's season, but I, I'm, I'm going Alabama, definitely. And, and Dalton, how wild is this going to be? Can they help you out even more here, the Tigers? You know what, Bob? I, I hate Bama almost as much as I hate Michigan. But Cam Newton's not walking through that door. Trey Mason's not walking through that door. This is the only time I'll ever say this, Roll Tide. Roll Tide, I agree. <laughs> tide rolls at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Now, not that it really matters for the playoffs, but I want to hear Pac-12 South, University of California, Los Angeles, against Southern Cal. Let's go with Wade. Oh, it does matter for the playoffs because winners going to be playing Stanford, right? Well, it does. Okay, but neither. Okay, so you yeah. think one of those teams has a better shot of beating Stanford than the other? I guess you're saying. I, I do. I think UCLA has a better shot of beating Stanford than than uh, USC does. Um, I think UCLA is going to beat USC in this game. Um, now, if SC can upset, I think Stanford walks over them again. Okay. Because uh, didn't they? Yeah. Or who Stanford's lost to? It wasn't USC. I'm not eating my words now, am I? They lost yeah, to... Stanford beat USC, lost to Northwestern and... Yep, Northwestern and Oregon. Oregon. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. I'll say this about USC. USC is one of the top five most talented teams in the country year in and year out. 
They only play games that they think matter, and that's when you run into trouble against USC. But they will get up for the game where both teams are wearing their home colors. They they will play hard, and they will win by 13 and move on to the Pac-12 championship game. Wow. Okay. I go UCLA in that one. I think UCLA wins. Jim Mara heads his team to the Pac-12 championship, where I do think, uh, as Wade said, I think they have a decent shot to beat the Cardinal. We will move on to... Florida State and Florida, 730, Maybe. and go ahead, Wade. This one, it's, at, uh, it's at Florida. Yes. Yep. Um, and these guys are really talented. They're having a pretty pretty stellar year, so I think they take it. Florida State isn't uh, what it was the last few years, um, so they're going to walk away with this one. I got a narrative for you guys. They, Florida State will walk into the locker room at halftime down 21, and Everett Golson will make an epic comeback all the way down to the fourth quarter, and then he will throw an interception in the end zone to lose the game, and Florida will walk away with the scare. <laughs> down to the T. <laughs> Love it. I'm going upset alert again here. This is a Florida team that should have lost to Tennessee, should have lost to Florida Atlantic, beat Vanderbilt 9-7. to and a team that cannot throw the ball, and they won't be able to do it against the Jimbo Fisher Seminoles, I think the Seminoles win. We will go to two more games left here, guys. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in Stillwater. This, but, is, a, this is a tough pick right here. Uh, everything in me wants to go towards Oklahoma on this one. But it's a road game. I've seen Oklahoma State play a few times this year, and man, are they talented! Uh, their defensive—I think they have a stellar defensive end. I forget his name. Um, the games I watched, he had a couple sacks apiece in those. Um, uh, to pick Oklahoma State on the upset. Okay, Oklahoma State, Dalton. Um, you know, if, if Baker Mayfield, who couldn't look more like his name is Baker Mayfield, is out <laughs> for the game, um, it's, it's, a, it's a close one, and I'm taking it like I need it. Let's go, Pokes. All right. I got the Cowboys of Oklahoma State as well. I think they beat Oklahoma. I think weather is a factor, and whether Baker Mayfield yes. plays or not, uh, I still think it's going to be tough on the Sooners. I think they need it. You're absolutely right, Dalton, but I think Oklahoma State takes it. Final one of the night. Biggest game we've talked about pretty much all day, and our first caller, Tony, out of South Jersey, I think eloquently put it. This is the game that impacts the rest of the season. Whether Notre Dame wins, and now it's only three of the top five conferences, at least in his mind, that are able to get berths into the college football playoff, or if Notre Dame loses and it opens up the slots to all four for conference champions. Let's start with Dalton. You know what, Bob? Notre Dame can crash the party here. They're that guy that you didn't invite to the frat party, but all the girls want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> and one, one quick wink can send your night into a tailspin, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking them to put it to Stanford. I'm picking them to show the committee something. They're going to win by 21 or 24. I will see you guys next Tuesday in the top four. I'm picking, I'm picking Stanford by four on three Notre Dame turnovers. Okay. Okay. There you go. So, How's that? I don't know, Dalton. How is that? 
Uh, that's a very accurate prediction, Wade. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I am going to go with Notre Dame. I think a close one, and uh, I I don't trust Kevin Hogan, and I think they'll try to get the running game going and and will be somewhat successful, but. Eventually, Notre Dame's going to start loading up the box, and I don't think Kevin Hogan's going to beat them at that point. I go Irish, and they move their way into the top four, a top four that they're already in for me. They're right now number four behind Alabama at number three, Iowa number two, Clemson number one, and I think they will relatively sit that way, relative chalk this weekend, Irish the winner. So that's it, boys. I appreciate you guys hanging on. Dalton, you, you hung on for quite a long time, and I figured we got into the final 10 minutes. It was only fitting that we let you come in on our predictions to close the show. I appreciate it, Bob. I, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Always. Thanks, guys. And, Wade, good stuff as always. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. All righty. Take care. All right. Go Irish. <laughs> there it is. So that's Wade, and that is – Dalton out of Michigan. Thanks to Wade for coming on. He was our, our co-host along with Kevin McLernan, who was the co-host in the first hour. You've been listening to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show. Enjoy the football this weekend, folks, and take care from all of us here at Bob Long Sports. A happy Thanksgiving.